Good morning, church. It's so good to see you. I love coming over here and worshiping with you guys. I know I don't get to do it as often as I'd like. Um, just want to say thank you to Pastor Lemmy Diz. Aren't you glad you have a pastor that's willing to go, uh, but also willing to equip other churches to go? Uh, our pastor for 21 years has equipped you and me to go uh, to the nations. Uh, now, this year, he's had the opportunity to take several pastors, not only to to places like where he is now, but also Cleveland and Boston. And so I'm just excited what God's going to do through that. Uh, we've also heard from other things that the 365 um, gospel conversations that we talked about last week, he's got several churches emailing him saying, hey, we're doing the same thing. Um, and so gospel conversations are being had in South Carolina. Uh, we're going to talk about that later and update you, uh, but this is a good thing. I want you to turn to the book of Jonah with me, and we're going to start there. Um, we're going to look at some lessons learned from Jonah, maybe, but lessons that we need to learn for sure. Uh, and so I'm glad you're here with us today. Um, I, I, I told the group in the early service that people were making bets on how early I was going to get out, and uh, I have a timer on my phone, and see, now there's, there's just this white, right? So I'm wasting time talking about this, but, but uh, this, this morning it started blinking red, and I just shut it off. So just for your benefit, I'm not going to really use this. So if I look down at it, just ignore your clocks this morning. I'm just glad you're here this morning. Um, have, you ever, have you ever woke up in the morning and been awakened to, to something that you really didn't think that's how your day was going to start? You know what I'm saying? Um, Jonah was like that, of course. You know, wakes up, hears a word from God. God says, go to Nineveh. Jonah says, not, not going to happen. Not doing it. Yesterday, and on a serious note, um, yesterday morning, I, I woke up, it's probably 6.30. Um, Saturday, I try to sleep as long as I can to about 7.38, and then Jack gets up, and we got to play football. And, uh, but I, was sleep, I, I couldn't sleep. I just was restless. So I got up. I went in the, the living room, and I was looking at my phone, and I had a text message. Um, my phone is on Do Not Disturb at Night, so I don't hear the text, but I saw it. It came through. And began to read it, and it was a friend, a friend who her father is in the hospital. And um, we knew some things were going on, but they went ahead and finally admitted him. And, and I thought, man, I'm going to pray for them. And they said, hey, I hope this doesn't wake you, but just wanted to let you know. And so I sent back, said, I'm praying for you. That was one thing. And many of you know that uh, Facebook, I, I got a message. I started reading and saw where my goddaughter, uh, Ruthie Dean, uh, was diagnosed with a brain tumor inside of her brain about the size of a plum. And I saw that and my heart just sank. I said, God, I know why you woke me up now. My wife got ready and went to the hospital. We spent all day yesterday there with them as they did MRIs and, and doctors talked about plans and what they were going to do. And, but you wake up and have those moments, you just never know what your day is going to involve. And I, and I, I think about all that we're going to talk about today and, and I'm going to reference uh, Ruthie again. I ask you, I say that to say, pray for her. But also believe that, that God is going to use that in her life, in her family's life. Just like God used this story of Jonah in Jonah's life and what God's going to do in our life. I, I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know the circumstances behind your life that nobody sees. But I know people are hurting here today. And I know we like to try to make sense of it all sometimes. Um, and we make sense of it from a human perspective, right? Because that's all we know. But I think today we can make sense of it all through a divine perspective. 
And that's what I'm looking at. And I want you to turn to the book of Jonah. Um, and we're going to read through Jonah and, and look at some different things. But also, I also don't know if you saw an article. Um, I know Pastor asked you a lot of you in here. I didn't get to see hands, but he asked how many of you are on Facebook. I want to see it. how many of you are on Facebook uh, on a weekly basis at least. Several of you are on Facebook. Have you seen the article that the world is ending September 23rd? You saw that? All right, good, good. Um, this is it. You didn't know that? Well, this is it. This is the last Sunday, and it's fitting that I get to preach the last Sunday. I don't know what the Lord's saying there. <laughs> don't tell Pastor. All right, but this is... Oh, sorry, Lisa, she's here. His wife's sitting right down front, but... September 23rd, Christian numerologists have said because of numbers lining up and scripture references lining up, chapter numbers and verse numbers, and, and, and this is it. Um, let me just go ahead and, and comfort you in this. Um, maybe he is, maybe he's not. But he is coming back. And one of the things I think as we learn today from the book of Jonah that God is merciful and if he decides to come back Saturday, guess what? He's given us a week to repent, to turn from our wicked ways, and to trust in Jesus Christ. And so I hope that we learn something today that we can take with us, that we can use in our walk with him. But I want to read through Jonah, and I'm just going to read just as far as I can get. I'm not going to keep you all. I, I probably won't get through it all. Didn't in the first service. So I'm not expecting anything. But I want to start reading and just share some lessons that I've learned that I think Jonah hopefully learned in his life, and I'll explain that a little bit as we get into it, um, but lessons that you can learn that maybe you can take with you. If you're, if you're, if you're going through experiencing God with us, you'll, you'll recognize some of these things. This is something God has laid on my heart this summer um, as I've walked through experiencing God again for a second time, now a third time with you guys this fall, um, but I, I see what God is doing here in the book of Jonah. Oftentimes, if I say what is the book of Jonah about? What is the first thing that comes to your mind? All right, the whale, just, just a big fish. That's all we know, just a big fish. What else? Is it God's plans, all right. What else? Don't run away from God because it does no good. Repentance. I, I remember as a kid, I asked my daughter, I said, tell me, tell me about Jonah. What, what do you, what, what? What comes to mind when you hear Jonah? And her first response was, the fish. And I said, what else? And she goes, well, Jonah disobeyed God. He ran from God. I said, that's right. That's correct. But what I started thinking about as I was preparing for this message, I began to, to realize that oftentimes we focus on what, what the Word of God says, more, more about the person of Jonah and the fish than, than really what it's about. Our attention is immediately struck that, that we go right to, oh my goodness, Jonah disobeyed and God had a fish swallow him. Which that's, that's in there. That's in the book of Jonah. But I don't think that's the main point of the book of Jonah. I think the main point of the book of Jonah is, is all through the book and we begin to miss the main character. I believe in the book of Jonah, the main character is God. I think Jonah is just a secondary character. I think Jonah's just a, just a, just, I don't want to, this sounds terrible, but I think just, just a puppet in God's hand that God wants to use. And I don't think the fish was the, the whole big ordeal, the main issue of the book. I believe that the mercy of God is the main idea of the book. 
I believe we see this all through it, and we're going to talk about some of these lessons that point to that, and, and we're going to see at the end what God does through that. But, but I'm going to tell you something. The mercy of God is written all through the book of Jonah. And I'm going to tell you something about this today, and I, I know this guarantee, I can guarantee you this, that God's mercy is written all over your life as well. We all need God's mercy. If you're sitting here today and you don't know Jesus, you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you know if you did or not. But if you've never done that, God's mercy is here. If you've experienced that, you understand what that means. That the mercy of God, all of a sudden, God relents and turns from from giving me what I deserve and giving me what I don't deserve. See, mercy and grace are different. Grace is great. We talk about grace all the time, that, you know, God loving me. Mercy is when he loves me and doesn't do to me what he ought to do. And we see this in the book of Jonah. So let's just start in, in the first verse, first chapter. And it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Listen to this. This is the first lesson. We're going to look at some other verses with this. Here's the first lesson you can write down. Number one, God wants to accomplish his will through us. God wants to accomplish his will through us, through you, through me, through Jonah. We see here, Jonah is a prophet of God. We know from 2 Kings that Jonah is a prophet to the Israelites. All right? He's also a prophet to the Assyrians, the Ninevites, um, which are a wicked people. I mean, they killed men, women, boys, girls. They said they would impale them live on the beach, and as the, the sun came out, they would just die from heat. They were wicked people, and that's, that's a lot of the reason Jonah didn't go, because he knew they were wicked. He knew they were bad. He didn't want to bring God's message of salvation to these people, because he knew, you know what? They'll probably repent. God will save them, and then whatever. That's Jonah's attitude. But, but God wants to use us to accomplish his will. If, if, we, if we go out of here tonight, today, thinking about this, realizing this, that my life has a purpose only in the will of God. I love experiencing God. Last, last week, I think it was the phrase that said that if I follow God one day at a time, he'll keep me in the center of his will. Oftentimes, people will say, what is God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? What, 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 does, he, what does he want from me? Right now, he's just asking, hey, just be obedient today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about five years from now. Just be obedient to my will today. God wants to use you to accomplish his will. Then in verse two, it says this. Here's, here's the will of God. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Verse three, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. What a joke, right? I mean, think about this. How many of us in this room believe that we can get away from God? You know what? We do it all the time. We're not not jumping on a boat, but every day we're fleeing from God's will in our life and what God wants to do in us. God wants to accomplish his will through us. Then in verse 4, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose. Here's second lesson. You ready? Write this down. This is good. This is good. And this is not even, I mean, I didn't even come up with this. This is just straight out of Scripture. Here it is. You ready? God can do whatever he pleases. You believe that? Do you like that? (laughs) I didn't hear that as strong. 
We believe it. We testify to it, but do we really like it? God can do whatever He pleases to accomplish His will, right? And if God wants to use me to accomplish His will through me, then guess what that means about my life? God can do whatever He wishes in my life to accomplish His will through me. How how do you know that, Chris? Well, here just in Jonah, it says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. I mean, he knows Jonah. He's called Jonah out. He said, this is what I want you to do. And Jonah flees and disobeys. And God goes, you know what? Jonah, I'm not going to take that as, a, as the final answer. So he, he calls this storm to come up. Then, then look at verse 5. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where they lay down and he fell into a deep sleep. Then the captain went to him and and, and said, How can you sleep? Get up. Call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots. And the lot fell on Jonah. It's not a coincidence. I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe that it just by chance happened. God's working and orchestrating things because he's trying to get the attention of Jonah. I mean, Jonah's over here sleeping. God's trying to get his attention. How many of us are sleeping when God's calling us out and God's saying things, trying to get us to be obedient, and we're over here in a deep sleep, running from God? Verse 8, so they ask him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the what? Sea and the land, and the sailors' mouths dropped wide open and went, is you. I mean, let's just, just two plus two here, Jonah, but duh, you know, you get on here, you tell us you're running from the Lord. All of a sudden, this God of the sea begins to stir the sea up. It's your fault. I mean, these sailors are calling Jonah out. You're being disobedient. You need to fix this. Does Jonah listen to God? No. Verse 10. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? And verse 12, this, this is how bad it is for Jonah. You ever get in a mood? <laughs> not, not a good mood, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Let me ask you this. Does your husband ever get in a mood? I, I asked it that way because I knew We get in bad moods a lot, don't we? This is Jonah pouting. This is how bad it is for Jonah. His heart is so dark right now. His heart is so far from the Lord. What does he say? Okay, I know it's God. I know this is what he's doing. He wants me to go, but I'm still, I'm, I'm standing my ground. I'm not going. And he says what to the sailors? Throw me overboard. Now, did Jonah know that God was going to send a big fish to scoop him up and to swallow him for three days and three nights? Jonah did not know that. So Jonah was basically saying this, before I obey God, I am willing to die. It had gotten bad in Jonah's life. I I don't know what happened. Maybe Jonah's family was was stuck on stakes uh, by the Ninevites. Maybe they did something personally to him. We don't know that. But something had happened in Jonah's heart that he felt so strongly about not going to the Ninevites and taking the message that God had called and prepared him for. Now, now, now listen, this is Jonah's job. He's a prophet of God. What is he supposed to do? He's supposed to take the message that God gives him. 
But he tells God no, and it's so bad he gets to so depressed in his life, he says, just kill me, throw me overboard. Verse 12 again, he says, pick me up, throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder. God can do whatever he pleases, can he? The seas grew even wilder. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Please. Psalm 135 says the Lord does as he pleases. Psalm 115 says the same thing. Lesson learned in Jonah's life that God can do whatever he pleases to make sure that we accomplish his will. That's a hard one to swallow sometimes. I, I told you about Ruthie Dean, brain tumor on the brain, about the size of a plum, 13 years old. Godly girl. I'm going to tell you something. I've never met a more godly 13-year-old in my life. Her parents are strong as ever. Her parents have been through um, a lot. Her mom was in the hospital two weekends before that. I mean, back-to-back weekends for long seizures. She's dealt with this since she was 19, her mom. This girl has seen her mom and dad go through storms of life and been faithful to God through it all. Her dad is a chaplain for hospice in Spartanburg, just started this job. He sees this every day. Thursday, dealt with a family that lost a family member to stage four cancer. I get to the hospital on Saturday, and the dad looks at me in the eyes, and he says, I can't do this. He said, I will not lose her. I will not lose her. He said, I've been been praying and talking to God throughout the few weeks before this. And God's been teaching me about trusting him. And I didn't know why. I thought I was doing a pretty good job. And then all of a sudden, this. Last night, I got home. Just, just thinking, just rocking your world as you look at your kids and you begin to think, how in the world? How in the world, God? I get, I get on Facebook just to check a message from them. And this is what I see from Ruthie. I think this is going to teach a lot of people. 13 years old, brain tumor the size of a plum, and all of a sudden she begins to, to line things up with God's will and say, God, maybe you're going to use this to accomplish your will, not mine. God, would you use this tumor to glorify your name? I'm going to tell you something. We don't understand why God does what he does and what pleases him. Don't understand why we go through certain things and, and experiences that we experience. But we know this, that God does what pleases him. Why? Because he knows what's best. Now, I'm not saying that, that God put that tumor in her head. I don't understand all that. I still, still don't understand all the dynamics of that. I know that that sin coming into this world, our bodies are decaying, our earth is decaying, storms come, things happen. Listen, but I know this, I know who has it under control. And I know that God is going to use this young girl to change the world. God can do whatever he pleases. And look what it says. Verse 14, they said, hey, forgive us, God. 
You've done as you please. Verse 15, then they took Jonah, threw him overboard, and the raging sea immediately did what? Grew calm. And this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But, look at this, verse 17, but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. I want you to get this in your mind. These men take Jonah, and can you imagine? (laughs) I mean, here you are, the sea is growing wilder and wilder and wilder, and these men pick Jonah up, just toss him overboard. And Jonah begins to what? Probably sink. Maybe he's, maybe he's floating for a while. Maybe he's trying to, to, maybe he's trying to swindle. Maybe he's doing, I don't know what he's doing, but, but we know later on some things going through his head and what he experiences. But that fish is not there just to catch him. And so he has this experience that we see in his prayer in chapter 2. Verse 1, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord. Finally, when this fish picked him up, he said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet, I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank below. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit. O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I will sing a song of thanksgiving. Will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. All of a sudden, in, in, in this situation, this circumstance of Jonah's life, he's done everything to flee from God, everything he could to walk away from God and be obedient to God. He didn't want it. God began to orchestrate things in his life to, to help him to see that God was not finished, that God was going to accomplish his will through him and made a way. And as Jonah's sinking into the the sea, knowing that this is the end of his life, God provided a fish to swallow Jonah. You know that Jonah is only mentioned three other times in the Bible? Once was in 2 Kings, I told you about that, where he is a prophet to the Israelites in the time of Jeroboam. Other two times are where? In the Gospels. Guess who brought Jonah's name up in both of those instances? Jesus. Why did Jesus bring those up? Turn to Matthew chapter 12. I want to show you something. I think this is so cool because here here we get to the main idea of what is happening in Jonah and why God gave us this story. And and let me say this real quick. Somebody came to me this morning after I preached and they said, thank you for believing God. They said, I was told so many years from my professors that this was just an allegory. This is just a made-up story, and, and he said, thank you for believing, because I believe this is God's word, and I believe this is true. I believe what we see here is what God's word says, and, and here's part of why, because Jesus says in chapter 12, verse 20, um, let, me, let me start in verse 38, sorry, twelve thirty-eight. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to Jesus, teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. They were, they were, they, I mean, they didn't really care. It wasn't like they were going to be convinced. It was just, they were just asking, right? Let us see you do something major. Like these people of September 23rd, that world's going to end because of all these signs. That, uh, listen to what Jesus says to them. 
He answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asked for miraculous signs. What was he saying to them? You're a wicked and adulterous generation, basically. This is you asking for a sign. But none will be given except the sign of the what? Prophet Jonah. Jesus begins to reference the Old Testament and this story about a man that God provided that a fish would swallow him, keep him in in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Why did he bring that up? Look what he says. For as Jonah was there three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at judgment with the generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah does this in Luke also, and Jesus begins to call him out and say, listen, you don't need any other signs. You don't need any numerologist to tell you when I'm coming back. You don't need this or that. Guess what? I've already showed you that, that I'm coming back, and I've showed you that my way is, I've loved you, and I sent my son. The son of man died, was buried, three days later rose again. And he, and he signals this with, with the sign of Jonah. Here Jonah is. We know that God wants to accomplish his will through us. We know that God can do whatever he pleases. Here's the third lesson. Listen to this. God will use me if I fully surrender my will to his will. Did you catch that? Listen to this again. God will use me to accomplish his will. God will use me if I fully surrender my will to his will. See, all through experiencing God and what we learn is this, that oftentimes we come to God, God asking, we're asking what God's will is, but we're basically asking God to align his will with our will. And if somewhere here in the middle they meet up, man, that'd be awesome, God. You show me where I need to go. God, you know, students come to me all the time before. Where do I need to go to college? What do I need to do as a career? You know, I'm praying for God's will for my life. You know, instead of just praying for God's will in my life, why don't we just look around and say, God, where are you working? What are you doing? How can I be used today and just line up with his Surrender my life to his will, not mine. Jonah finally gets to a point, and I say that hesitantly for Jonah. You say, why, Chris? Well, think about this. Yes, Jonah disobeyed. God sent a storm, provided a fish to swallow him. He came out of that saying salvation comes from the Lord. And he goes, and, and, and a second time in chapter 3, I'm going to just finish the story here. Ch- chapter 3, he says, listen, go to the city of Nineveh. And Jonah does what? He obeys and goes, right? He gets there, and does he preach a message of salvation? No, he preaches a message that God gives him. He says, listen, in 40 days, this place is eh, gone. Destruction, judgment. Jonah preaches this message, so he obeyed, right? A lot of times we talk about, oh, Jonah disobeyed and he obeyed, but I don't even think, I don't even think that's good enough because look at Jonah's life. Jonah does this, 40 more days and then it will be overturned. In verse 5, what happens? The Ninevites believe God. Now check this out. This is so awesome. You can go back and read this. But the Ninevites repent all the way from to the top to the bottom, every single one of them, they repent. And in those days, repentance, they would take and put sackcloth on they not only put sackcloth on themselves, but what did they do? Even on their, well, come on. Even on their livestock, they made their cows repent. Now, I don't know, I don't know if because they were so wicked, their cows were so wicked. I don't know what this was. I think maybe it was just because their hearts, they were just like, let's do it all. If we're going to fully surrender, then let's fully surrender. Hey, cows, put this sackcloth on. You walk around this and, and we'll repent and God will forgive us. 
Look in verse 10, it says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had what? Compassion. And he did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. Write this right there beside this verse. You ready? Mercy. Mercy. What is this book about? I think chapter 3, verse 10, it is about God's mercy. Not only of the Ninevites, not only of Jonah, but every person to ever be born, God has shown mercy. God had compassion on any of us who repent and turn from our evil ways, and he does not bring the destruction that is promised for us. That's God's mercy. Then I said about Jonah, did Jonah get the lesson? Did he learn it? Did he fully surrender? I mean, I I believe if we're going to follow God, we've got to fully surrender. But I'm thinking Jonah's a little hesitant still because in chapter 4, what happens? It says, but Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. I don't know about you, but if 120,000 people showed up out here and I said, hey, 40 more days and you'll be destroyed, and every single one of them repented, I don't believe I would be unhappy with God. I don't know. I mean, I, right? I'd be happy just one. And here Jonah has 120,000, probably more, because that might not be counting all the families. But guess what? Jonah's displeased. He prayed to the Lord. This is so good, because this would be a good bumper sticker slash minus some of the verse. Okay, so if we're going to take, take verses out of context and change them and put them on bumper stickers, this is one, all right? So if you, got, if you make bumper stickers, here it is. Ready? Oh, Lord, this is not what I said when I was still at home. That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew. I love this. Jonah's heart. This is so so dumb. I shouldn't say that. But this is so dumb of Jonah. Jonah goes, I knew, God. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Stop there. Bumper sticker. I knew, God, that you were gracious and abounding in love and compassionate and would relent. I knew that, God, because I know you. I know you. Jonah said, I know who you are, God, and I've seen you do it before, and I knew you. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah knew God. He knew what God would do, and he knew the mercy of God. But Jonah's heart, I think, was still a little heavy, and he's going, But I didn't want that, God. I didn't want you to do that. I knew you would do that, and you did that. And he goes away mad, and he sits under this vine that God created to come over him and to shade him from the heat, which Jonah was glad for that. As he's sitting there, you know, it's getting hot, and that vine comes over, and he's able to get comfortable and sit back and sip on some lemonade, and and he's enjoying life. He's waiting to see what happens to Nineveh, and he sees this. And then all of a sudden, what does God do? Because God can do whatever he pleases, right? God then sends a worm to eat the vine away, destroy it, and what happens? All of a sudden, now Jonah's sitting out there with his bald head. I'm thinking it's bald because it's hot. And he's sitting out there, and all of a sudden, he begins to complain and whine and gripe. And God ends the word of Jonah like this. Look at this. Chapter 4, verse 11, or verse 10. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. But Nineveh, listen to this, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, 
And then he, then he adds the cattle in there again. I don't know what that's about. We just, maybe these cattle will be in heaven. None others, but he said, he, and many cattle as well. But look at how he ends this book. Only two books of the Bible end with a question. Jonah and Nahum, both about the city of Nineveh. I don't know what that's about, but listen to what God says. Should I not be concerned about that great city? Here's the point. The point was not Jonah's disobedience. The, point, the main point was not about his obedience. The main point was not about a big fish and whether it's true or not. The main point of the story is this, that God has mercy for all nations. Yes, he wanted to use Jonah to accomplish his will. Yes, he can do whatever he pleases. And yes, 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 he will use me if I fully surrender to his will. But it's all about the mercy of God. Because he is gracious, he is compassionate, he is abounding in love and relentless for you and for me. Why would God do that? Why do we go? Why do we have gospel conversations with people? It is because of God's mercy is available for all. Why do we do that? Because God cares. God cares. It wasn't about Jonah. God wasn't saying, Jonah, this is about you and I'm going to make you famous. My son's even going to talk about you in the New Testament. No, God wasn't about that. God was saying, I want to make my name famous. This is about me. This is about my love and my mercy for the nations and for everyone that needs to hear the gospel. Listen, every single one of us, God has called out. And God has said, go. I want you to go to the Ninevites. I want you to go to the people in Powdersville, to your neighbors, to those that work with you those that are friends, those that go to school with you, you have a message of hope and salvation that you need to take to them. God wants to use you to accomplish his will. Quit worrying about what you want to do and what your dreams are and what you think you need to do. It's God's will. Listen, God's will is that the mercy of God would be, would be proclaimed to the nations. That's it. I, I mean, I could continue to preach on book to book to book. This whole book... It is not about the messengers. It is about the message. It is about the Lord God who created the message, who made the message, who sent the messengers, and that is the moral of the story. God says, why wouldn't I be concerned? God wants to accomplish his will through us. God can do whatever he pleases, and God will use me if I fully surrender my will to his. Would you align your will with his today? Maybe today you need to set aside selfishness or something that you have been telling God no to. I don't believe God's going to send a great fish to swallow you up. And, but who knows what God could do, right? The Bible says that God can do whatever he wants to do. Today is the day. If you're here today and you have never experienced the mercy of God. Let me say this. Whether God comes back on September 23rd or God comes back September 17th, you need to experience the mercy of God. God has made a way for you. God has made a way for you to trust in Him, to believe in His Son, who He raised from the dead. And because of my sin, I deserve to die. But because of God's mercy, he relents. Because of his son, he has compassion. 
today is your chance to respond to that. If you're here today and you've experienced the mercy of God, maybe it's just that somebody you know needs to hear about the mercy of God. Maybe God's put a message on your heart that's from his word to take to that person. Why do we have gospel conversations? Why do we, why are we making a big deal about this over this year for 365? Why, why, why? Because of the mercy of God. That's why. That's why we go to the nations. That's why we go to Cleveland and Boston. That's why we talk to our people at neighbors here around us. It's because of the mercy of God. Have you experienced the mercy of God? Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, that you shown mercy in my life. God, that you have given me, given me salvation. When I was dead, you made me alive. God, thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for the lessons that can be learned in Jonah's life. Whether he got it or not, God, help me to get it. Help me to understand, God, what it is you have for me. What it is you want to do in my life. Lord, I fully surrender my life to you, to your will. God, I pray for for those here, Lord, that any of them that, that have never experienced your mercy, God, I pray, Lord, that you would draw them today. I pray that you would wake them up you would bring salvation to their house today, God. We give you the praise and you the glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.